Everybody got your packets? Were they, did you find one in your seat this morning? Man, we're so excited to be a part of Awaken once again here in Nashville. And uh, uh, I, I hope that you will take this season uh, uh, seriously. Maybe uh, stretch your spiritual rubber band uh, a little bit. Uh, one of the things we, sometimes people think about Awaken, like, oh, somehow we're going to like, but through prayer and fasting, we're going to somehow like garner more of God's attention. Somehow we're going to wake him up. But that's not, that's not the reality. We want to wake up Christians in this area to the work of God to the power of God in Nashville and Franklin and Brentwood, all the way to Murfreesboro. Yeah, we'll include them. You know, like we just, we want to be a part of what God is already doing. And, and it's just a great season of, of awakening and refreshing. I love what the, uh, the prophet Joel said in the Old Testament when he called the, the people to return to God. He said, don't rend your clothes. Don't, don't tear your clothes. He said, rend your hearts. It's time to open our hearts again to the movement and the power of God in our area. And uh, we love the fact that uh, Awaken is this thing that's binding us together. And so as we do this, as we open our hearts to God again, as we awaken ourselves to him, him and to his movement, uh, there's really three steps to this. Uh, I know you got your packets. There's great information in there. I want you to lean on those. But really, there's the, the methodology of this wake, awakening is really three steps. The first step is really about prayer uh, and an investment in prayer. We want you to spend time with God each day. We want you to intentionally pray for your city and pray for your, pray for your neighbors, pray for your workplace. And as a part of this prayer emphasis, even next week is going to be all about, next week, Awaken kicks off, and uh, we're going to spend a, some really uh, a specific designated time in prayer. But one of the things, uh, Dave Clayton, the founder of Awaken, he called me and he said, hey, we want to do 24 hours of prayer the entire month of Awaken, right? We're going to have people praying every single hour for an entire month. And I said, awesome. I think that's amazing. That's great. And I said, how could we help? He said, well, January 27th, I want you to have 24 hours of prayer at Aspen Grove Christian Church. And I said, well, thanks a lot, Dave. I know what some of you are already thinking. Wow, Adam's going to have a long day at Aspen Grove that day. Um, how, many, how much time are you going to spend on Netflix this week? How much time on Facebook? Too much is the answer, right? Like, uh, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask uh, outside in our lobby, we've got a sign-up list uh, from 7 a.m., on Monday, January 27th, until 7 a.m. on the 28th, uh, we're going to have prayer here at Aspen Grove. And uh, uh, this is, you know, maybe some of you are, are like do the meal prayer. Sometimes you kind of think about prayer. Maybe, maybe prayer is like not that, that important to you. And maybe so maybe this feels like a marathon. But I'm going to ask you to sign up and come and be here to pray. And we're going to give you resources. We'll give you guides. There'll be other people from the, from the city here. But for all of Awaken, like, like imagine this, like, like right now more than 500 churches are participating in Awaken this year. 500 churches in this area dedicating themselves to praying and fasting for our city. Does that sound pretty amazing? And on the 27th, from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. on the 28th, the hub of Awaken's entire prayer network will be here. So, I need your help. 
I need you to sign up. And, and some of you are thinking, well, like the 8 a.m. or I could come at lunch. But you know, like that clock goes all the way around, right? Like 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Some of you are up then already. That's great. Come on. Um, I need your help. I need you to come and pray. Maybe it's going to be a real stretch for you. Uh, maybe you don't live right next to the church, which none of you do. Um, maybe it would mean waking up early and coming up to pray. But, uh, but I need your help. And, and so, like, I'm putting the screws to you. I want you to grow. I want you to be challenged. So here's what I want. I want at least 10 hands raised right now of people who are going to come and pray. At least 10. Have we got them? I don't see 10 yet. I don't see 10 yet. The game doesn't start to two. We can wait. Find your space. All right, I, I see, I, I, we, got, we got at least 10, but there's 24 hours in this space, right? Um, man, I, I think it's such an honor, such, such an important space, and I hope maybe, maybe stretch yourself, maybe you've, maybe you've never done something like this. Man, come and find a space to pray. Maybe you don't know what to do. That's fine. That's fine. But let's dedicate ourselves to prayer through this. Um, in addition to praying, uh, we're also fasting, and, uh, you know, again, I, I'm, the goal is to stretch your spiritual rubber band. Maybe you've been in kind of a spiritual slump, but you, maybe you've only been doing the same kind of things forever. It's time to, time to expand and stretch yourself. Last week, we talked all about fasting, and uh, Pope Francis recently said this about fasting. He, he said it disarms us, and it, it allows us to experience what the starving endure, and it, it expresses our spiritual hunger. It revives our desire to obey God, who alone is capable of satisfying our hunger, and it makes us more attentive to God and to our neighbor. That's really the third piece of awaken. That's the third piece of this awaken methodology. We want to pray. We want you to fast, but we also want to awaken your attention to your neighbors. Who is your neighbor? That was a question uh, an expert in the law asked Jesus. If you look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 10, I, I love this story. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, here's what it says. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. The teacher said, what should I do to have eternal life? The question is the question we all have, like, I want it all, right? What do I do? What, what do I need to do to have it all? And Jesus simply replied to him. He said, hey, you're the expert, right? What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Go on to that next verse. And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and all of your, what's that last one? Mind. And then he adds Leviticus, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Like what you maybe you don't see in the nuance of this text is when Jesus asked the expert in religious law, you know the law of Moses, how do you read it? Like, like this was an easy question. This is like one plus one, right? Like, like this was the, for an expert, well, what does the law say? Like this is, this is an easy this is a softball question, the most basic question ever. And the answer the expert gives is the most basic. I know you, you probably know that text. You, you probably love it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like you've heard that. I know you've heard that a lot. Well, 
as an expert in Jewish law, he had heard it a lot too. It was the foundation of the whole Jewish thinking about the law. He quotes, uh, it's from Deuteronomy, it's called the Shema, it means listen. It's, it's the phrase you've heard before. It's like, hear or listen, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is what? One. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You should follow all of the commands that I've given to you. Like the Shema is kind of the big introduction to all of the law of God, Right? It's listen and love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Deuteronomy even says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Tie these laws as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Like when Jesus asked this expert, You know the law of Moses, how do you have eternal life? Like, do you realize this expert probably had these words written on him, wrapped around his arms, maybe even tied in a, in a small scroll and put in a small phylactery, like in a small box on his forehead. Do you see how easy an answer this was for him? The Jews traditionally prayed twice a day, like once in the morning when you get up and once at night before you go to bed. Even the youngest Children prayed first thing when they get up in the morning and last thing they do before they close their, night, their, their eyes at night. And you know what they prayed? Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Pretty interesting prayer for you to, if you're looking for a new prayer habit, right? The first thing they said in the morning and the last thing they said at night was remember to love, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So when Jesus asks the expert, hey, like, how do you read it? He gives him the most basic answer. It's, it's the answer that every single Jew knew, right? Even the kids knew this answer. And in verse 28, like, Jesus gives him this great affirmation. that says, yeah, you're, actually, you're right. That, that's it. Do this and you will live. And that's when the expert should have shut up. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Like you get it right and you should just leave it alone. But he can't keep his mouth shut. And the expert comes back at Jesus another time. Jesus, Jesus Christ told him he had the right answer. Just leave it alone. Right? But he can't. And he comes back in verse 29. Here's what he says. And the man looking to justify himself, he asked Jesus, okay, well, who is my neighbor? Oh, he done gone. Mm. You thought he was smart there for a second. The next verse, and I'll, I'll read this next part to you. It's at the very beginning of verse 30, it says, Jesus replied with a story. You're like, oh, no. Right, you know you are in trouble now, right? Just leave it alone, but Jesus, he comes back to him and says, okay, well, then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? <laughs> Jesus replies with a story. 
He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Like, this is an interesting kind of a geography part. From Jerusalem to Jericho, it drops down, like, towards the Dead Sea. And so there's this huge, like, drop in elevation. It's incredibly rocky. It's, it's perfect for ambushes. And what it was known as, that stretch of road was known as the bloody way. It was a dangerous place, easy to be ambushed. And this Jewish man is traveling down. He's, he, he's attacked by bandits and he's beat up and he's left on the side of the road for dead. But good news, by chance, a priest comes along. But when the priest saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Like, okay, so already Jesus setting the stage with this story. A priest, a, a temple assistant, like these, these guys worked, they were, <laughs> they worked like in the Holy of Holies, right? They were the re- religious elite. They were supposed to have the full on like knowledge of God and who he was and all of this kind of stuff. But as a priest and as a temple assistant, like as a Levite, like if you touch an unclean thing, you know what happens, I mean, somebody that, like, blood and, like, maybe, maybe even if they're dead. Like, if you, if you engage or touch somebody that's bleeding or bloody, then you have to go through this, this whole system of ritual, like, purification. And that means you don't get to do your job anymore, right? You wouldn't be permitted into the temple as somebody who is unclean. Does that make sense? And yet that's exactly who they were. Like they're, you know, they're, I I know it doesn't happen to us, like who we are and what we do. That doesn't become our identity ever. Um, But if they help this guy that's been beaten and bleeding and maybe dead, they get kicked out of their jobs, at least for a short amount of time. When they see the man on the side of the road, They really just see themselves. Do you see that? They immediately start going through all the what ifs. And both of them, the people that you would think are going to stop and help, pass by on the other side of the road. And then verse 33 comes. Jesus says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he he felt compassion for him. All right, so again, this, this needs a, a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus used the word despised Samaritan. Um, I want to show you a map of some geography. All right, so way over here on the left is the Med Sea. At the top is the Sea of Galilee. Way down there below Jericho is the Dead Sea. That's the Jordan River that runs uh, beside it. At the top of there is Galilee. That's where Jesus began his ministry. He spent most of his time, Right? And down below is Judea, where Jerusalem is. And right there in the middle, do you see that purple section? That is Samaria. And if you wanted to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, you would have to go through what? Samaria. Except the Jews didn't. In fact, the Jews never would. Uh, there's, a, there's another story about Jesus actually meeting a woman at a well in Samaria. And like that, that story is shocking. 
because Jews do not go into Samaria ever. Uh, it's only about 120 miles, and it would take about three days to walk it. But Jews would go around. They would cross the Jordan, go way down to the other side, and come back near Jericho. Instead of a three-day trip, it would take six days. Uh, it would be like if you wanted to go from Franklin to downtown Nashville, going to Memphis first, and then around. That's what it'd feel like, because we don't go through Brentwood. Sorry. I know like half of you live in Brentwood. Um, there was just this huge division. And the reason they didn't go through Samaria is, is, is steeped in history. At one point in time, the, the kingdom of God, the people of God lived in Israel and, and Judah. But they, uh, they fall away from God and their whole kingdom is, is essentially exiled. They're, they're kicked out. And when they're exiled, not everybody goes, but a few Jews remain. But with nobody to populate the land, they have all of these other tribes and peoples that come in and they move into the land. And the Jews that are in the land, some of them, especially in the area of Samaria, they intermarry with these outsiders. And by the time that uh, the temple and Jerusalem are ready to be rebuilt, there's a whole new race of people right in the middle of God's promised land here in Samaria, right? Um, they read the Torah, but because they've intermarried, they're, they're basically unclean, right? They're a mixed race. Uh, they're... Uh, they've, they're, they're impure, they've, they've committed this unforgivable crime, and in the eyes of the purer Jews, they're, they're, they're dead. They're, they're not even worthy of being called the Jews. Jews that intermarried in this area would, would not be allowed into the temple. Uh, in fact, uh, because of this, uh, the Jews in the area of Samaria, they actually built their own temple. How do you think the Jews felt about that? They didn't like it. You know what they did? They destroyed the Samarian temple. And so it became this huge blood feud between Samaritans and the strictly Jewish, uh, like the Hatfields and McCoys maybe, I don't know. There was this resentment and bitterness that just simmered for over 400 years, right? Uh, and the irony is that you already know this story as the story of the what? Good Samaritan. But for a Jew, there was no such thing. Even Jesus says, a despised Samaritan comes along. So this is important context. Are you with me? Samaritans, bad, Jews, good. Got it. Let's keep going. In verse 34, here's what it says. The Samaritan comes, he sees this guy on the side of the road, and he goes over to him. And the Samaritan soothes his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandages them. He puts the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. All right, so end of story. Remember the question? 
The expert asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now Jesus is told this story and he's looking back at this expert and he says, okay, I just told you a story about a, a Jew, a temple worker, I mean, a, a, a Levite, a priest, a temple worker, and a despised Samaritan. You tell me which of these threes would you say was a neighbor? And the expert sheepishly like kicks the ground, right? You know, like he says, the one who showed him mercy. The despised Samaritan was more of a neighbor than the, the people chosen by God. And Jesus said, hey, you got it again. Now go and do the same. That's interesting because, you know, that expert in religious law had probably never been to Samaria. He'd only walked around. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, right, it's this incredible message about Jesus not going around people anymore, but entering in. And there's the, these deep kind of undercurrent questions to these stories. And, and, and one of those questions is, who have you been avoiding? Like, we're so good at our personal bubbles right now, aren't we? Like we're so good at our, like, preserving our space. And yet, we have these profound examples, like, challenging us really asking us maybe 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 inserting in front of us like like the question maybe maybe the question is who has god placed in your path so as the third kind of methodology of our whole awakened movement i, I want to give you a quiz uh it's uh, i know everyone's excited yeah you get a quiz today it's the who is my neighbor quiz. It's the unofficial neighbor quiz. And uh, I, I, you can keep score. You can give yourself points on this. And we'll just see how everyone does. All right? All right. So you get one point for every, uh, every neighbor you know their name. Okay? Some of you are out already. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So you get one point for every physical neighbor that, that you know their name. Right? Uh, I'll give you a one point for their pet's names. But deduct it if you know the pet's name and not the person's name, all right? <laughs> I know some of you. Um, I'll give you three points if you know birthdays. If you send them a card, if, you, if you're paying attention to any of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, give you a, a, I'll give you five points if that neighbor has been around your table. If that neighbor has sat at your table, um, Man, even in ministry, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, like, even, even Amy and I, like, we didn't get this early on in ministry. Uh, every year at Aspen Grove, over the past few years, we've done something called a hospitality challenge. Like, like if you see this idea of hospitality is so deeply rooted in the New Testament. Like, like, it's the one thing when it talks about leaders of the church, it always mentions hospitality. And, and I just, I confess to you, like when Amy and I were, especially we're, when we were younger in ministry, like we were horrible at this. Uh, I, I've worked at some awesome churches, been a part of some amazing ministries. And, and, and really, there, there's some reasons, but, 
But this last ministry that I left, like I cannot remember a time where I had people, even people from the church in our home, much less neighbors. And I remember like as we left that ministry to come to this one, we were hit with such a strong sense of like, man, we are doing this wrong. We're doing this wrong. And so like a part of what we've done at, uh, here, and, and like this is just, just full disclosure, not that we're perfect at this or great at this, but we just made a choice as a family, like, hey, our home's going to be open and we're going to be intentional about having people in our home. And now, like, if a neighbor comes into our house now and says, hey, I haven't been here before, like, we're offended and we're shocked. Like, because that tells us, hey, we're not doing our job. That's not who we're supposed to be. And so overwhelmingly, the vast majority of our neighbors have been in our home. We love to have them around our table. And, and you guys, maybe you know our kids. We, we, we want them to come anyway. You know, like um, many of you hopefully have been around our table. And if, 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 you, if you haven't, man, we, we want to extend you an invitation. Like we tell people all, you know, our hardest grow followers of Jesus Christ. I think actually, I think maybe the best tool to do that is your kitchen table. So five points if they've been around your table. I'll give you another, like, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go. I'll give you four points if you serve them in some way. Um, it was a, a few weeks ago, Paul and Carmen, I don't know if you know if they're here today. Oh, nice, I can talk about them. Um, they just bought a new house. They were moving in. Some of us showed up. Uh, uh, Paul's one of our new elders, so I had to go help. Um, Got to help your boss. Um, we're unloading the truck. You know, we load the truck at the old house. We drive it to the new house, and we're unloading the truck. And, like, this crazy thing happened, and I didn't even know this happened anymore. But literally, like, one of the neighbors from the next door houses, this is the first day. They just closed on the house. We're unloading the truck, and this neighbor guy shows up. We don't know him. We've never seen him. And he helps us unload the whole truck. He stays the whole time, right? And I'm thinking, I didn't even want to be here. Wow, you're an awesome neighbor. <laughs> you get extra points for serving your neighbor. Um, I, I've been in all of my neighbor's houses because I guarantee you, I've, I've helped carry the heaviest piece of furniture into each and every one of them. It's a badge of honor now. I carried that chest of drawers up them steps. I love, um, I don't know if you guys know this, we've got a pastoral care team at Aspen Grove. Uh, uh, Bob, Bob Brown heads this up, and the, many of you are involved in this. And, and I love what they do. Um, we, we, have, we have men and women who are shut in. We have men and women in difficult stuff. Sometimes they take food. Sometimes they, they visit people. And, and I want you to know, like, you, maybe you don't even see this, but like, this is happening all the time. And it's so exciting and fun and good. And if you want to get involved, just ask Bob. Say, hey, I want to go visit people. We go visit people in the hospital, people in difficult stuff. I was reminded of the, the power of some of this recently. Uh, we served at the Graceworks Manger this past Christmas. 
incredible ministry that, that helps provide Christmas to, to families in need all throughout our area. And we were at Graceworks, and we had my son Ken in there, which, you know, so like it took both, basically we were just watching Canon the whole time. Um, and Canon ran up to this one African-American lady, and he just like, like wrapped onto her. So we were like, Canon, do you know this woman? Is this a surprise to her and you? You know, like we, did, we never know. And it uh, turns out he did know her. And she is the lunch lady at his school, and her name is Miss Linda. And so we got to shop with Miss Linda, and Miss Linda was so nice and sweet. And we learned all about Miss Linda. Miss Linda's husband had just recently died, and they were really struggling. And she just wanted, you know what she wanted that day? The big thing that she wanted, she has a son at home who uh, has, some, has some disabilities, and the only thing she wanted was socks for her son. And now, when I go to school to talk to the principal about canon, um, <laughs> I'm only half joking. Um, I always go see Miss Linda too. Right? And I give Miss Linda this huge hug, and she's this like she's this like sweet African American lady. She's about this tall. And I just like Miss Linda. So you get extra points if you serve them in some way. Uh, you, I'll give you four points on the, on the neighbor quiz if your neighbors know your garage code. Your neighbor know your garage code? <laughs> some people don't know your garage code. Um, this is a true story. I've had the same, the garage code I had, I've lived in four different places, four different houses. I put the same garage code on every house, and that garage code was my dad's garage code. So if you know my garage code, man, you're set. You can get in a garage in four different states. Um, let's keep going. Uh, I'll give you 10 points if you invited them to Aspen Grove. Twice a year, we ask people at Aspen Grove, man, uh, did you bring somebody twice a year? Did somebody sit next to you? And some of you have been slacking. Some of you have been slacking. Like this thing happens through you. I'll give you 10 more points if you know about their faith. I'll give you even more points if you've prayed for them. Uh, I'll tell you about this app that's out there. Um, there's, a, there's an app out there called Bless Every Home. BlessEveryHome.com. You can look it up. Um, I didn't know this was out there. I don't, and honestly, I don't, I don't really know how you might feel about this. Uh, but bless every home, you sign up, you put your address in, and basically it just shows you like a Google map of your house and your location. And it, it just says, hey, there's a person in this house that's praying, but using completely public information, it shows you the addresses and names of every neighbor around you. And it will, every single, you can, you can adjust it as much as you want. You can, you can have it email you the names of your neighbors to specifically pray for them every, up to every single day. It'll, it'll email you five more neighbors in your neighborhood. It'll just, it's simple address and their, na- their first names only. Talk about convict you of, hey, who do I know and do I, am I really praying? And what's crazy about this app is, is that you can get on the app and you can see other people that are praying for other neighborhoods. I think that's pretty interesting. Have you prayed for your neighbors? Uh, he's no longer our neighbor. They've, they've moved away, but I used to have this neighbor named Brian. Uh, Brian always had a Coors Light in his hand. 
I never saw Brian, like six in the morning, I never saw Brian without a Coors Light in his hand. Like that's just, that's just who, he, I, I don't think he was a drug. I just think he liked Coors Light. I don't know. Um, and we all kind of knew that's, hey, it's Brian, Coors Light time. Um, Brian, Brian really uh, was an awesome guy, but didn't really know where he was in his faith and didn't really have a good experience with faith. But, but Brian's extended family always had major health issues. He, they were gone a lot. You know, we would just know that they were gone a lot to take care of health issues. And uh, his, uh, Brian's mom, actually, I think she had pancreatic cancer and uh, was, was really, um, uh, you know, she was going to die, this, this whole thing. And, and, and really, believe it or not, Brian was like the one in the family that everybody looked to. You know what that feels like? Like the family didn't know how to deal with it or what to do, so everybody looked to Brian. And um, I remember Brian, you know, telling me one day, he said, man, I've, uh, I really don't know what to do. I, I'm really stuck. You know, my mom's about to die, and we're trying to think about, should we, should we sign a, a DNR? Should we do a do not resuscitate? Like the next time there's, a, there's an event, do we just, do we just let her go? And we, we kind of talked about that, and we're, we're, we're invested in that. And the family, with Brian's help, decided, yes, we are going to sign this DNR. We're, we're not going to resuscitate her the next time that there's a big health event in her life. Well, that next time came, and I know because Brian came walking down the street to me. He said, man, they called me today. My mom was having this event, and, and uh, right good, bad, or ugly, I don't know how, but they said, do you want us to put the DNR in place and follow it, or do you want us to put her back on life support, or do you want us to keep her alive? Could you imagine getting that phone call? And in that moment, even though the family had decided, even though Brian was involved in the decision, Brian, Brian couldn't do it, and he said, man, I, I want you to do everything you can to keep my mom alive. And Brian walked down to me this week, and he was torn up inside. You know why? Because his family was furious at him. Here he is, like, you know, in this horrible no-win situation. And I said, man, can I just, can I just pray for you, Brian? Like, he was holding Curse Light. He really was. I just put my hands on him, and we just, we just prayed over him. You know where this happened? My mailbox. Who is your neighbor? I'm gonna give you a few more questions just to, as we're we're wrapping up. I know I'm know I'm going long. Go ahead, Merwin, put those up there. A few more questions to take with you today. If your family moved out of the neighborhood tomorrow, would your neighbors miss you? If you had to rank yourself as a neighbor, what score would you give yourself and why? In what ways are you currently living as a good neighbor to those around you? In what ways could you improve? In 2019, we covered an entire city by praying for people we didn't know. Do you guys remember that? Awaken Nashville was all about strangers, and you got a list of 15 names of complete strangers. And we, for the most part, we, we prayed for a whole city of strangers. But in 2020, we'll cover our city and far beyond by praying for people we do know. Our prayer focus for 2020 is simple. We're asking 
Jesus to help us live out the greatest commandments, to love God and to love others among the people we know. And if you look this year, the card that you have is blank. These circles are for you to fill in. It's not just strangers in Antioch or somewhere else that maybe you'll never meet. But the focus of Awaken this year is to pray for people we do know, people in your sphere of influence, uh, people that maybe you live with or work with or play with. And as you prepare, really, it kicks off next week, but I want you to be thinking about it and, and start thinking about who would you put in your circle. Maybe consider that uh, where you at and where you're at and where you live and where you work and where you play, like maybe those aren't just accidents, but maybe God intentionally placed you there. And maybe the reason you're there is not for your comfort, but for his kingdom. I want you to, as you, uh, I know it's just a, a little paper card, but I want you to think about this card as sacred. Because God loves the names in your circles. God loves your neighbors. They're incredibly valuable to him. Are they valuable to you? Just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer, inviting you to enjoy a time of communion together. Take your card with you if you want. Start thinking about who would you add, who would you include. As you enter into this time of communion, I'm just going to, uh, invite you to remember what Jesus has done. Jesus doesn't go around but entered in, right? Invites us to do the same thing. He sums up this whole picture of what this whole thing is about of is loving God by loving your neighbor. He kind of challenges us, says, hey, if you do doing all the church stuff right, if you're coming and you're singing and maybe you're even tithing, wow, that's awesome. But what about your neighbor? I hope he's stirring and waking something up in you. Let me just say a quick prayer for us. Father God, I, just, uh, I pray that we would pay attention to the ones you've put in our path. I think as a church, as, as Christians, like this is our job, this is our role. I, I love that we're called to serve in Ecuador. I love that we're paying attention all around the world. And, and I think even a, a, a prayer for the stranger is, is perfectly appropriate. But Father God, don't let us shut our eyes to the people that are right around us. Don't let us pass by to the other side but awaken us to the people around us. Let our homes be places of, uh, let, our, let our homes be not just private spaces, but kingdom outposts where men and women come and can find you, can find and experience mercy and compassion. Father God, this is all impossible because of uh, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And we, we love that we get to remember him now in this time of communion. We offer you this prayer in Jesus' name, and everyone together says, amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy a time of communion together.